The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley. I'm your host. I am a physician trained in Britain. I'm retired from medical practice, but I'm still working in healthcare, helping family caregivers. Who are family caregivers? Well, they are the people who go on providing care to family members when all the professional caregivers, like I used to be, have gone home. I'm an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Now, in today's uh, show, we're going to talk about canine vision dog guides and the way they help people and their families affected by blindness. So what, what do we mean by blindness? Well, it may mean being able to see nothing, absolutely nothing at all, not even enough light to distinguish day from night. Or it may mean being able to see just a little light or some shadows. Or it may mean being able to see, but very unclearly. Or it may mean needing a lot of help with things that you need to see clearly but can't. It affects people of all ages, worldwide, and in very large numbers. Sometimes it's inherited. Sometimes it's acquired from obvious causes like accidents. Sometimes it's related to age. And sometimes why it happens isn't well understood. There are five common types of conditions that cause blindness. Um, One is called diabetic retinopathy caused by diabetes, strikes which strikes children and adults. What happens is that the blood vessels um, in the back of the eye leak blood, which damages the retina, the part that sees the light. It affects more than half of the 18 million North Americans with diabetes who are 18 or older. It can be prevented and treated through proper care of the diabetes. Another big one is cataracts. These are things that form in the lens of the eye, and it's as though you're looking through a fog. Cataracts affect more than 24 million people in North America. By age 80, more than half of North Americans either will have a cataract or have had cataract surgery. Something called macular degeneration. It's one of the leading causes of blindness among older people. There's no cure. When you have it, you can't see things directly in front of you. It's a leading cause of vision loss in North Americans 60 or older. Another one, retinitis pigmentosa, usually begins when the person is young. It gets worse as they get older, often leaving them blind. There's no cure. What happens is that you can see only things that are directly in front of you, but the field of the things you can see 
gets narrower and narrower with time. Finally, there's glaucoma, which, again, generally affects older people. It's a leading cause of blindness. It happens when the fluid pressure increases inside the eyes, damaging the optic nerve. Some 2.5 million North Americans know they have glaucoma, and another 2 million don't yet know they have it. So today, to explain how canine vision dogs help people with blindness, we have two guests. And first, I want to introduce Jason King. Jason and Redford have been partners for a year and a half. Redford is Jason's second dog guide. Jason is a member of the Peterborough Lions Club, a volunteer with the Canadian National Institute for the Blind. He's a spokesperson for the Lions Foundation of Canada and a devoted father and husband. He's happily married to his wife, Melissa. They have a six-year-old daughter, Rhiannon. He's just completed the social service worker program at Fleming College, and that's his second diploma in the service field. He already holds a drug and alcohol diploma and has aspirations of completing both his bachelor's degree and his master's in social service studies. He wants to pursue a career in the social services field, working with disabled individuals as a community developer and advocate. He's currently looking for work in Peterborough. Our second guest is Ian Ashworth. Welcome back. I welcome him back to the program. Ian is um, Program Director, Lands Foundation of Canada Dog Guides Training Centre in Oakville, Ontario. His dog guide career began in April 1983 as an apprentice trainer with Dog Guides for the Blind in the UK. He worked as a guide dog mobility instructor and then as a dog supply supervisor for over 10 years before moving to the National Breeding Center in the UK as deputy breeding manager. In 1999, he became national breeding manager, and in this position, he continued to improve international collaborative dog guide breeding programs, and he increased the number of pups born to 1,250 a year. And then in 2002, he moved to Canada to become the program director for Dog Guides Canada, where he now oversees all dog guide programs at the school, as well as the breeding, fostering, and kenneling of the dogs. So, welcome to the show, Jason and Ian and Redford. Thank you. Thank you. Now, first off, question for Jason. Please tell us about your experience with the challenges of losing vision. Well, I was, uh, I've been visually impaired all my life. I was born with a congenital condition called persistent hypovetral veto, which means that my eyes didn't develop past infancy. And uh, I was one of only seven people in North America at the time, so it was kind of a really rare thing. Uh, I had limited sight until I was uh, 21 years old, uh, and at that point I had just graduated from college and had job aspirations in the Northwest Territories. And unfortunately, my eyes deteriorated to the point to the point where uh, the sight completely left. So, it took a long time to kind of recoup from that. I had to learn how to read and write all over again, and uh, how to live in general, uh, just general, you know, house cleaning and cooking and so on and so forth. So it was kind of a bit a bit of a challenge. Talking about challenges, let's ask um, Ian next. Tell us about the Lands Foundation of Canada Dog Guides program and the work it does. With, particularly with the canine vision dog guides? 
Well, the, the Lions Foundation started um, just over 25 years ago here in Oakville. The Oakville Lions Club um, felt that there was a, a real need um, for a, a service dog organization based here in Canada to um, provide dogs for people with visual impairment. And so they started off um, uh, training dogs for, for people with visual impairment. And in those 25 years, we've now grown and uh, provide five programs to train dogs for people with a variety of, of disabilities. Um, however, the, the first program that started off was um, helping our canine vision dog program, helping people with visual impairment. We, um, we train um, approximately uh, 130 dogs a year for all our programs, and of those 130, we train about 35 to 40 um, uh, for people with that are blind or visually impaired um, right across Canada. We're a national organization and a, uh, a national Lions project. So that's a bit about us. Great. Jason, mm -hmm. tell us about the reasons that led you to decide to have a dog guide. Well, mine were pretty uh, pretty obvious to me. Um, I'm a very active person uh, in general. I'm very active in my community, very physically active, and travel with a white cane can be very slow and tedious in, in my mind's eye. And uh, the other thing I was really concerned with was uh, I was finding myself uh, being very you know, inactive using a white cane. I was kind of nervous about going out into the public with just the cane. And I felt that having a working dog would uh, benefit me in great ways because you could depend on the dog to do a lot of the things a white cane just can't. So that was my main reason for going for a guide dog. Right. Let's talk, um, Ian, about the types of physical challenges that canine vision dogs help with. Um, well, the, the main thing that, um, that Jason's just touched on is that, um, you know, uh, people have to get around. And, uh, and obviously with sight loss today, that's, that's a real challenge. Um, the alternatives that people have are a long cane or um, somebody to help them or, or a dog guide. And so I always describe it as a bit like a, a sort of a driver and navigator where the dog's job is to help someone to get from A to B safely, um, negotiating the, the road crossings, um, you know, stopping at the, at the curb edge so that, uh, so that you're safe, you're not going straight out into the road, um, avoiding all that, um, the, the pavement um, obstacles, the, you know, the lampposts, the, the, the benches and whatever else is on the pavement, the and people. obviously avoiding people as well. Um, now, if, if people have, have used a cane and a, and a dog, then um, there are real differences between the two, but a lot of people do tend to find that once they, they've, they've used a dog, that it, it's a much more relaxing and, and a quicker form of mobility uh, to get around with, uh, to use. Jason, that's been your experience, has it? It has, yes. Now, what about the reactions? I'm going to be asking you a different question about the reactions of people, but the combination, if I've understood it right, of the cane and the dog seems to improve the way in which others look at people like you, Jason. Is that right? Well, I'll be perfectly honest, and this may only be my only uh, my point of view of it, but it's it's been my experience that when you're using a white cane in public, people tend to kind of avoid you. They don't want to get hit with the cane. They don't know how to react around you. Um, they're very nervous around people with white canes for whatever reason. 
But when you're out with a dog, I mean, the dog draws people to you. They want to ask questions. They, they're more personable. So it's a far more positive experience walking with a dog, albeit sometimes a more distracting experience. Ian, does that mean that you, you do some training of people like Jason about handling situations outside of the home, on, you know, out in downtown and that kind of thing, in how to respond with the dog to other people. Is that part of the training? Yeah. Um, when, whenever somebody comes to, to get a, a dog, whether it be um, a first dog or a, you know, a successor dog, then, then they come and spend some time here at Oakville. And, and as part of their training, um, it's, it's a slow development of sort of an easy area, very quiet. But then after time, we, we move into busier areas. And yeah, dealing with people um, is a huge part of that. We actually... Uh, sort of give people little challenges where we say, okay, you need to reach this destination. And to do that, you're going to have to ask, you know, a member of the general public, um, you know, how do I get to this store or, or um, uh, how do I get to this destination? So to help people to, to communicate and they get to realize then just what a benefit the dog can be in, in breaking down those, those bridges and uh, those barriers and, and building bridges. I've um, had the experience of actually watching um, the training that goes on in downtown Oakville. And one of the things we watch with very great interest is the um, open-air barbecue outside one of the butcher's stores Uh and watching the dogs going past it and exercising um, their restraint. Mm-hmm. Just please comment. I know that sounds a little bit facetious, but I think it's probably a very serious question, isn't it, of not allowing the dogs to be distracted. How do you deal with it with the dogs? Well, it, it, it's, um, it's a tricky area of, um, of work. And, and in that particular place, Gordon, you have the, the butcher shop, and then right next door is a, is a, a great fish shop as well. So there's, there's huge smells and great distraction there. But it is, it's part of the day-to-day challenge of, of working with a dog, um, whether it be the butcher store or the, the fish store or, you know, uh, dogs um, free or any um, food that's, that's on the sidewalk or, or anything like that. And it's how to deal with that. You, you're trying to get your dog all the time, and I'm sure Jason will, will expand a bit, um, to concentrate on the work that, uh, that it's doing. And if you can really motivate the dog to concentrate on on the work of guiding, uh, then hopefully the dog's focused on that and not focused on, wow, what can I pick up outside this butcher store and, uh, and what can I scavenge off this pavement or oh, there's a great dog coming now. Right. So it's, it, that's part of the training for, for our clients is, is how to deal with that, that distraction level and how to motivate the dog um, and how to you know, uh, tell the dog off when necessary. Right. Going to take a break now, but we'll come back to these interesting topics. It is time for the short break. This is Dr. Gordon Adderley, and my guests are Jason King and Ian Ashworth. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We will be back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. voiceamerica.com. 
perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Jason King and Ian Ashworth. Our topic um, is Canine Vision Dog Guides. Now we want to talk about some of the background on canine, canine vision dog guides and family caregiving. So, Ian... Please continue to tell us about the dogs and the training they receive generally for helping with the types of vision needs um, associated with the sorts of problems uh, and challenges that Jason has been talking about. Well, the uh, the main dogs that we use are um, Labrador Retrievers um, and Golden Retrievers, and we also um, use crosses of the bo- of the both um, Labrador Cross Golden Retrievers. Um, we also use standard poodles on occasions for, for people with allergies. Um, we have our own breeding program um, just up outside Guelph, Ontario. So we carefully um, sort of select the, the bloodlines to produce the, the very best type of dog that we can, um, both in terms of health and the temperament that's uh, you know, great for training. Um, those dogs are fostered out in homes at uh, seven, seven weeks old. And we have volunteer foster families that look after the puppies and socialize them and uh, bring them up um, for the first sort of 12 to 14 months of their life. Um, At that stage then, once they're about 14 months old, they come into training here in Oakville. And we start with um, uh, sort of basic areas of training, making sure that they're they're obedient and uh, well-behaved and respond to... um, all the commands that uh, that we want to have, you know, a nice, well, uh, well socialized dog. Then we start their training, um, encouraging them to walk out, you know, in a guiding role, 
So they don't walk to heel, they walk out ahead of the, of the handler. And over the next uh, probably about six, six to eight months, they'll receive intensive training on walking nicely um, with a harness on, with a handle, and uh, stopping at the down curbs of, of all roads. They'll learn to avoid all obstacles and, uh, and people and any other situation um, where they can take the initiative and, you know, find shops, for example, and, and find various landmarks. Um, anything that we think may um, assist someone who, who's blind or visually impaired. So it's, pre- it's pretty intensive training. At the end of that six months, um, they're matched carefully to their, to their pr- um, potential owner. And, uh, and then they come in for training after that. Right. Jason, tell, mm-hmm. please tell us about Redford. What sort of a dog is he? Uh, right now, he's a very hot dog laying in front of my fan. Um, <laughs> uh, Redford is a three-year-old yellow Labrador. Um, he's a great dog, actually. I have to say I've been very, very fortunate. Both of my uh, dogs have been kind of kennel favorites, and uh, Redford is actually part of the breeding program. My first dog was actually a donation to the school, so I kind of uh, seen both ends of the of the stick on that. But a very, very loving dog, uh, very relaxed in harness, you know, very anxious to get to go, and very laid back. So Interesting. How, tell us how he fits into your life and how he helps you, your, your family, that is to say your wife and your daughter. How does he fit in? How does he help? Well, he's definitely part of the family. Uh, his primary role is, is to help me, obviously. Um, he does a lot of, uh, again, walking out uh, on town, um, when I first got Redford, I had just started back to school, so he had a really, really intense first uh, first year with me, and uh, which is really a really uh, uh, important time for a, a dog guide pair is that first year to gain all that trust and you know loving behavior. So he went right from the school right into a college life scenario and uh, was uh, and did very well. He adjusted very quickly. So um, you know, so he guided me back and forth from classes and that. And uh, more recently, um, I worked uh, as part of my school placement with a group from community living of uh, people with intellectual disabilities. So here are uh, a number of people who have, you know, difficulty understanding the rules about, you know, dog guide etiquette. Uh, And, you know, Redford was very good. So he he was uh, able to, you know, handle getting attention when he doesn't need it and when he shouldn't have it uh, and still work very well in, in situations that way. Uh, my daughter absolutely adores him, so she, she's very active and plays with him outside when he's not on harness. And uh, my wife uh, is, is disabled as well, so often she, he kind of keeps an eye on her too, makes sure that she's okay. Fabulous story. Ian, we've been talking a lot about the dogs. Let, let's hear about your work. What, what, what is your work? What do you do? Uh, what, do, you personally, do you personally get involved in the training of these dogs? Um, I'm, I'm sort of here to over, oversee all the areas of, um, of providing the dogs. So everything literally from sort of conception to, to retirement and beyond. Um, uh, I, and I think I've probably got the best job in the world. Um, it's, uh, it's a great organization, and, and my job really is to, to help and, and assist in areas where obviously I have um, you know, a level of expertise. Um, we have the, all the different programs here. If anybody has problems with, with their dogs and with, with training, they'll, um, they'll come to see me and, uh, and, you know, I can offer help and advice in those areas. 
I do um, sometimes get involved when I, when I can in the class training. Um, uh, I still like to, to get involved um, as, as much as I can. Sometimes, unfortunately, the paperwork gets in the way, but, uh, but you know, I like to, uh, to always try and, try and get involved in those areas. Um, quite often, again, I'm still involved in, in the breeding and selection of, of dogs. And also, at the end of that, I'm, I'm, you know, the buck stops with me when it comes to troubleshooting. So if, if we are having issues with, uh, with any, any dogs or anybody is having problems, then, then they, uh, they come and talk to me. Right. Um, Jason, when you were, um, perhaps this goes back to your first dog, what were the particular challenges that you hoped the dog would help you with? Um, basically it was reopening my, uh, my life. Um, when I lost my sight, it took, it took me about a year to come to grips with, uh, not being able to see and not being able to be as active as I used to be. And, you know, kind of my wake up call was one day I realized I was telling the time of day by what was on TV. And at that point I made a, an, a, an active choice to just, to, uh, get back on my feet and, you know, start reaching towards, uh, you know, future goals again. And, you know, when I, when I first got Benson, my first dog, um, I found that it was, it was a huge, huge weight off my shoulders, you know, being able to get outside and walk around and know that uh, I'm not going to be bumping into people and, you know, have to worry about cars when I'm crossing the street. And, uh, so he was a really big part of my life for many years. And, when Benson retired and Redford came into my life, uh, it's a bit of a change in rules again because now I'm looking at more in terms of creating a career for myself and making a better life for my family. So I'm past the uh, the point of just being able to get outside and walk again to the point where now I'm depending on Redford for things like getting me back and forth to work on time and you know making sure that uh, you know all that kind of thing is safe and ready to go. So, right, Ian, the kind of things that Jason's just been talking about. Uh, how general are they in your experience among the people um, who, for whom the dog guides are trained? What's the picture you see typically? Um, everybody ha- has a different experience, um, but I think Jason has, has, has sort of summed it up really well, is that you know, we do get people that have, are coming for a, a dog for the very first time and you know, apprehensive about going outside, um, aren't comfortable with a long cane and it's it's suddenly this this motivation um to get out because you have to get out with a dog and just finding suddenly that they have this you know best buddy that is there and they don't have to rely on anybody else on friends and family um and it's something that that people have to make an effort to 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 go for if people are applying for a dog you know, it's it's a, there's a process involved, and then when people come to actually train with a dog, the training's pretty intensive as well. So it it does, as, as Jason said, shake people out of, you know, sometimes a, a rut that that they're in, um, and uh, then go on to do amazing things. Um, you know, there's there's lots and lots of of, of people and, and lots and lots of stories very similar where you find that a dog has literally turned, turned someone's life around, where suddenly someone who's been very quiet and introvert and, and hates getting out suddenly becomes, you know, a, a real social butterfly and, and gets out and enjoys life and, and really looks for a way to, to move their life forward. 
right. it's a, it's a, it's an amazing thing um, to see from my perspective, and it's a it's a daily you know um, motivation for 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 what we do. It's uh, it's an amazing thing. Terrific, Jason. I'm going to ask you this. Um, this is the best buddy role that Redford has uh, that Ian's just been talking about. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you, what are the three best ways in which Redford is your buddy? Oh, uh, I, well, there's there's many, many ways. There's, it's, it's a great partnership. Um, some of the things I'm really, really happy with is, uh, you know, on occasion, you run into uh, street crossings where you have people who aren't paying attention to their driving, and nothing is more pleasing to someone like me than having a dog do his job and turn you away from getting you know, run over by a taxi cab or something like that. So that, that's a really proud moment to know that the, you know, Redford has taken that training so, so close to heart, and he loves to work. So, I mean, it means that he's doing his job, and he's really, really happy when he gets uh, smothered with attention and good jobs. Um, I do a lot of talks in with uh, with kindergartners now, especially. Um, I've done talks with seniors' homes and with uh, schools in general since uh, I started with Canine Vision. And having that experience of having a working dog in with a bunch of people who want to learn, you know, how best to deal with animals is really, really a positive experience too. I mean, you know, having Redford sitting in uh, in front of sixty, you know, very, very intensive four-year-old children who want to play and and pet him and everything else, and doing his job is is a really pl- a pleasurable thing as well. Um, and I'm sure really, uh, having him at home, you know, I'm all, I've been a dog person since day one. So it's always nice to have a dog in the house and have that, uh, you know, that companionship and that loyalty. So super now two very quick questions for both of you, because we're going to be going into the break in a moment. Um, Ian, what happens when a vision dog guides meets another dog that isn't a dog guide? Well, if the, if the dog guide is on harness and working, um, what we hope is that the dog just guides straight on past and ignores the other dog and just carries on with with its job. Um, that's occasionally, you know, dogs are distracted and they, they, you know, you might feel a bit of an extra tail wag or something. Um, however, you know, when when a dog is on harness, we hope that, that that's what it does. Right. Um, when the dog is off harness and in a backyard, then they're a dog and they charge around and play happily. Right. Jason, um, what should people do when they meet you and you're out with Redford? For example, um, should they pet him? Absolutely not. Uh, when the dog is in harness, whether the dog is working, sitting beside me on the bus, laying down at the, at the office, that harness means the dog is working and it's always best to just not pay any attention to the dog at all. The dog is doing its job, and any distractions can lead to some dangers. You know, there's nothing worse than having a dog distracted and seeing someone he knows across the street and wanting to go across the street when it's a red light. Right. So it becomes a real dangerous thing. So, um, uh, again, there's some give and take with that. I mean, people have to realize, especially blind people, that, you know, there are people who don't understand the rules, especially small children. So there's some give and take about understanding and, and, you know, dealing with with the issue as it comes up and back and forth but uh in general it's it's a you know a wise thing to just to not even acknowledge the dog being there right now talking of working it is time for us to talk a short to take a short break this is dr gordon Avery, and my guests are jason king and ian ashworth you're listening to family caregivers unite on the voice america variety channel 
Please stay tuned. We will be back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to get ahead, you have to stand out from the crowd, the clutter, and the competition. Are you? Tune in each week for Standing Out with Lauren Saunier. Lauren and her guests have the secrets that can help you and your business get noticed, get attention, and achieve your desired results no matter where you're starting from. Standing Out with Lauren Saunier, live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get ready to be a marketing machine. The violent crime rate has begun to rise again. So what's more important than feeling at ease and secure in your daily life? With an optimistic perspective on a sober subject, crime prevention and personal safety expert Susan Bartlestone brings you the information, tips, resources, and inspiring success stories that will reduce your fear and restore your confidence. So stay tuned and stay safe with Crime Prevention 101 and Susan Bartlestone every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, here on Voice America. It'd be a crime not to listen. Each week, take a visit inside the locker room of your favorite sport with Dez Clark, Paul Fresh Clark, and Lester Scudder Davis as they bring you sportsmanlike conduct. As a current player, Dez Clark can bring you inside the sports world like nobody can. His co-hosts represent the fans of the sports world. With both points of view on the table, it becomes an engaging and entertaining program to say the least. Sportsmanlike conduct can be heard Tuesdays, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time, the number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Jason King and Ian Ashworth. Our topic is canine vision, dog guides, and family caregiving. Now, I want to talk about with our guests about what I'll call decision-making and costs and things like that. Starting with, a, with Jason, question to you is, what advice do you or would you give to persons with vi- vision challenge, challenges who are thinking about a canine vision dog? Ah, uh. I think the most, you know, important thing to remember if you're going to get a guide dog is to understand that it's very important that you are comfortable with your ability to travel. Whether or not you like a white cane or not, as long as you're able to cross a street safely 
and you know the general lay of, lay of the land, per se, of your own home city, that's going to be a hugely beneficial thing because we have to remember the dogs can get you to point A to point B, but that in-between piece, you have to know where you're going. These, these dogs are not machines. You can't program that I want to go to Tim Hortons on George Street, you know? So you need to know where you're going, and that's really, really important. That sounds as though you're not expecting the dog to be a GPS system. <laughs> Uh, but it also suggests that the individual, like you, uh, has a purpose in going and isn't just wandering. Is that a fair comment? Absolutely. I mean, you really do need to know. You have to have a battle plan when you go out anywhere. If you know you're going to the corner store, then you need to know which corner it's on kind of thing. So um, it's really important to you know that information because the dog will get you there safely, but he doesn't know where you're going. Right. Ian, what are the typical questions that, Dog Guides Canada and you personally are asked by people with vision challenges who are considering a canine vision dog for the very first time? Probably the, 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 the top two questions are, um, I'm, you know, I'm not totally blind, can I still get a dog? Um, and, and the answer to that is yes. Um, as, as you said in your introduction, Gordon, there's lots and lots of different eye conditions and the people that are actually, um, the percentage of people that are actually totally blind um, with, with no sort of uh, light or dark is, is very small. Um, so we do train people with um, different degrees of, of remaining vision, um, and there's all sorts of different types of, of remaining vision. So that's probably the first thing we get asked, um, is, is how, dog will, how useful will a dog be to me, um, even though I've got some some vision left um and and we always answer that uh, that yes you can apply for a dog and and it can still be a, a huge help um and then the other question is how much does it cost me um at dog guides canada um we don't charge a cent for providing a dog um wherever you are in canada we will fly you here to oakville for the training course um we provide the dog and we provide the training course completely free of charge the only cost is then when you return home, you will have to be responsible for the, to pay for the dog food and for the vet's bills. Um, so I think those are the two biggest questions um, that people ask. Um, there's obviously uh, uh, lots of others, but uh, Fair enough. Those, are the, those are the biggest ones, the most common ones I get asked. Right. Jason, let's follow up on the idea of cost. Um, the dog is now home with you. Mm-hmm. What help do you or did you receive, and where did that help come from to deal with the costs of the dog now living in your home as a member of your family? Well, we get a small supplement from Ontario Disability Support Program that allows uh, about $65 a month towards any over-and-above costs for the dog. Um, so, And that covers your dog food, any vet care that needs to be done. Uh, so there is that monthly implement if you happen to be on Ontario Disability. Um, many pet stores will offer a discount if you have a working dog. So quite often you can go into a pet store and they'll give you a 10% discount if you show your uh, identification. Uh, and the other one I get a lot of help with is actually my, my veterinary. Um, my veterinary provides uh, general vet care for free for Redford because he is a working dog. And anything over and above that, um, he doesn't charge for the vet visit itself. He only charges for the cost of any medications or, or ointments or whatever that need to be given out. So that's a, that's a huge saving if anyone's ever been to the vet. You can, I'm sure you can relate to that. So that's, that's where I save most of my money. 
Very good. In um, no charge to um, the people who received dog guides, which raises the obvious question, well, how is um, the program that you're responsible for funded? Uh, where, where's the source of this money? And um, basically, what do you do to raise the money? Well, we, we are um, a national charity, um, and uh, we uh, receive no government funding um, other than you know, from our charitable status. Um, we are a national Lions project, um, so Lions clubs right across Canada do help us out, um, uh, you know, raising funds for us on a, on a constant basis, and uh, that's a huge help and support to us. We also have, um, a, you know, constant uh, sort of um, PR campaign, um, fundraising campaigns going. So we look for sponsorship for dogs. We look for corporate sponsorships. And uh, any private funding, um, any private donations and, and legacies that people leave us, all those sort of sources of funding. Um, we're also helped out by Purina. Um, uh, Purina um, help us with our big national event, which is the, the Walk for Dog Guides that has uh, just um, we had at the end of May. And uh, that's a national dog walk that, um, that we do every year, to again, to try and raise funds. So um, any any form of fundraising, you know, we we want to get involved in, um, but those are the the big events that we have. Perfectly fair. Now, this 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 is a technical question about the Lions Foundation. Um, that work operates in the U.S. as well, doesn't it? Um, well, there's Lions International, that is obviously you know a worldwide um, uh, organization of uh, of like-minded individuals. Um, so yes, I mean we we operate um, as a as a charity only in Canada, but uh, but yeah, we will receive funds from Lions International. They do help us out um, with with funding as well. Yes, very good. Okay, now two quick questions to both of you. Um, first of all, with Jason, um, when you and Redford are out working together. What are the things that really make the sun shine for you, Jason? Um, well, again, it's, uh, it, when Redford works really, really well, when he's having a good day, um, that, that's a really good thing for me because it means I'm getting from point A to point B in a, in a safe and quick manner. Um, Redford uh, has been known to avoid, uh, you know, obstacles that weren't there the day before sometimes you know people put out the signs or they have sidewalk sales and that and uh, that's a really really big thing for me it really makes me happy and uh, the other thing that I, I find really really is uh, important is when you run into people who have questions and I've had many mothers and fathers come up and ask me about working dogs not just about canine vision dogs but working dogs in general for their children you know kids who have uh, you know spina bifida kids that have intellectual disabilities and being able to give them the information to contact Lions Foundation and hopefully help you know make someone's life better is, is a really big moment and you know I think Redford shares in that because he knows that <laughs> When we run into other dogs, he's, he's just like other working dogs. He's just happy to see them as like, like old kennel mates and so on and so forth. So, great. Okay, Ian. Same question, but this one: uh, When you work with a team such as Jason and Redford, what are the things that really make the sunshine for you? Wow, how how long have we got? Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's so many things. Um, I don't know. I, I 
I guess the biggest thing is just seeing someone grow. You know, um, some uh, we've had lots of people in as as um, as we were talking about earlier that you know are shy and introvert and and have never got out and and you see people changing almost physically. Sometimes you see people that come in and they're you know perhaps a bit stooped over and uh, head down and. And you see them grow. You see them getting out, enjoying working with a dog, and people's shoulders go back, their heads go up, and and they really have pride in working with their dog. And and that's a huge thing to see. That it just you see the change in people's lives, change in people's personality and demeanor, um, and just suddenly you know being really outgoing and and getting out there is is, is amazing. Um, and then seeing people work really well with a dog, you know, enjoying each other's company and appreciating e- each other and working as a, as a great, great partnership um, where, you know, the dog's obviously giving in his guiding role, but the person is giving back in, in the praise and appreciation of, of what the dog does. And you see that partnership really growing and that bond developing. That's, it's just huge. It's, it's un- unbelievable. It's a huge privilege. And speaking as a as a guide dog user, it's it's a profound thing to get your dog for the first time. Um, it's nothing unusual to sit on the floor and just hold the dog and cry because it is such a huge change in your life and such a positive change. Jason, I'm going to have to interrupt you at that point, unfortunately, because it is time for us to take the break, but we will have a chance to come back. So it's time for the short break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Jason King and Ian Ashworth. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned. We definitely will be back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. 
Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. Money. We love it, we hate it, and everything in between. You can be the master of your life and your own economics. Join Professor Laurie Lamantia each week for the program Making Peace with Money. Laurie will help you realize the power to create fulfillment in your life and shed new light on your money madness. You'll learn how to make peace with money and feel the joy and freedom renewed in your life. Making Peace with Money is broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at m-y-m-o-n-a-m-i dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Jason King and Ian Ashworth. Our topic is Canine Vision Dog Guides and Family Caregiving. Starting out with Jason, please, tell us what about the things you do to promote programs like the Lions Foundation Canine Vision Dog Guides. Okay. Well, like I said before, uh, I am a, a spokesperson for the foundation, so I do a lot of talks in the public, uh, a lot of you know, seniors' homes, uh, schools, Anywhere that really has asked, uh, I, I'm more than happy to go out and kind of fill them in about what the dogs do and where the funding is, comes from and, and just kind of get that general information out to the general public. Um, I also, of course, uh, a member of the Lions Club, so I'm very much involved with the Purina Walk for Dog Guides and fundraising through that. Uh, I also am a walker in the Purina Walk for Dog Guides, so I often go around and, and do a lot of uh, fundraising myself for the walk and rather than just as a background uh, organizer for the walk. Uh, and the other thing is, word of mouth is a really powerful thing. Um, even just individually, I had a, a very, very good friend of mine from high school. And we both went to the same school for the blind in Brantford. And he was adamant that he would never, ever, ever get a dog. He couldn't fold it up and put it on the, on the shelf when he was done with it, so he didn't want anything to do with a dog. So uh, when he saw my first dog and I partnered up and just saw the huge difference in my life, and especially since I had not been blind since birth and he had. He, it changed his mind, and he ended up deciding to go get a dog, and now his life is so much better again. Right. So these are the personal stories, the word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jason. Yep. Ian, what, tell us about the ways in which you see more people like Jason being helped with canine vision dog guides. Well, we obviously we here have a vision. We, um, and pardon the pun, we, we want to get the word out to reach as many Canadians as we can. And uh, obviously shows like this will really help. Um, we have our, our website um, that we're currently in the process of updating, so it will be uh, 
uh, more user-friendly. Um, but uh, any situation that we, we get involved in, um, you know, I've just been out uh, to Ottawa to a, an international um, conference of, of guide dog schools from all over the world, um, and we were talking about, uh, you know, about getting the word out there and, and about um, promotion. Um, and one of the things that, that we've, we've done is we are members of the International Guide Dog Federation, um, which goes a long way to um, uh, sort of accrediting our organization. Um, and uh, as in terms of, of being part of, of um, the sort of Canadian scene as well, we, we're involved with um, uh, groups, user groups. We get involved with the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, and, and we have information um, out there. We work with Mohawk College, um, where they're training um, orientation and mobility instructors. So we're, we're working with lots and lots of different organizations to really, you know, just generally spread the word. Right. Jason, a particular question. <coughs> websites. Um, how do you get on with websites generally, and how does the uh, vision-impaired community get on with websites? Are they able to read them properly, or are there problems? What would you say? Uh, touch and go on, on both ends. Um, most visually impaired and blind people use a program called JAWS, which is a screen reader program for any computer, which basically allows you to read any text that you can find on the screen. So many websites are quite accessible that way. Um, you know, as long as there's uh, text on the website, you can read it. Now, saying that a lot of people embed uh, pictures and with their links, and when they do that, it becomes unaccessible. So if you've got a, a, a link or a button that has a picture kind of over, over and above it type thing, so clicking on pictures to activate something else, most JAWS users can't use that. Um, the JAWS will not recognize a, a picture file at all. The, it just comes up blank. So uh, that can make a challenge. So, <laughs> Yeah. Ian, let's just pursue that a little bit further. Without going into details about what you're actually going to do, um, how user-friendly from the point of view of someone with a vision challenge is your current website. And if it isn't as user-friendly as you would like, um, what are you going to be doing to it in a very general sort of way? Um, well, it is sort of slightly outdated. Um, however, we do ensure that um, we do have uh, a, a button to click so you can just get text only. Because as, as Jason said, if you have, if you have JAWS, then um, it becomes very unmanageable. Um, so there is a, a button to click on where you can just get text-only site um, that, that makes it accessible. And that's really you know, the path that we, we are going down with the new website is to continue on that to make it um, just easier to navigate. So everything is there on, on the, sort of the front page, and, and you get the tabs. That, uh, that you can click on for each area of your interest, whatever program you want to be involved in, um, whatever sort of stage of that program, whether you're um, applying for a dog or whether you're already a use, uh, using one of our dogs or whether you um, want to donate funds or whether you want to foster puppies. So each area of, of our program will, will have, uh, have that tab. Um, the other thing that we want to do is, is also um, ensure that we can have different text sizes for people with remaining vision, so that um, you can have you know very very large print um, on the screen to to help uh, help people with some remaining vision. So those are the things. Those are our sort of um, 
goals with our new website. Right. Um, we are coming to the end, so just a quick comment from me about what's called new media. That is things that we're doing now. That is doing some broadcasting on the Internet, um, which uh, is accessible to very large numbers of people right across the world. Um, there's also the question of cost, because it's far less costly to do this kind of broadcasting than to go through the um, major radio stations and television stations. So that's one thing. The second thing is that um, with the use of streaming media, we can get pictures. Now, I'm not saying the pictures solve the problems that Jason has been talking about, but what I am saying is that the dogs that I see walking um, past the um, um, barbecue are really very um, photogenic. And I think that kind of material would be very attractive to people who are interested in the work and who would like to support it. So mm -hmm. I'm afraid time is now up. So thank you to our listeners. Please do email us with your comments and questions. I want to say thank you to our two guests, Jason King and Ian Ashworth, for sharing with us their experiences, their insights, and their advice. And um, on behalf of all of us, I'd like to wish them every success in what they're doing and what they're seeking to do in the future. Now, Thank in you. our next episode, we'll talk about how people and families affected by blindness turn visual challenges into visible successes. Please join us, same time, same spot on the Internet. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.